Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877 Ladies and gentlemen, it looks like big baby formula is at it now, as well as big electricity. Joining big meat, big wheat, big corn, big oil, in order to profiteer off the American people in this time of inflation. What we need is more government, more regulations, more taxes, more investigations. We need to get to the bottom of this. Well, at the bottom of this is the American Marxist movement. The long war on our economic system. People trying to make America poor, trying to destroy our capitalist system. Desperate mothers are forced to buy formula they know will make babies sick as an unprecedented shortage leaves shelves bare and prices rocket to $120 a can due to a national recall and supply crisis, reads the Daily Mail. Winter Balthrop of Tennessee says she broke down after going to six stores, calling others as far as three hours away that did not have her baby's formula. The Enfamil's Nutrimogen, the only formula her baby tolerates, was out of stock. Balthrop is among a growing number of mothers who have resorted to desperate options to feed their babies as America continues to struggle with the shortage. Tennessee, Texas, Missouri, Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota have been especially affected with shortages during this period. Major retailers such as CVS... Walgreens and Target have limited in-store and online purchases to up to three per buyer. Parents across the nation are now relying on strangers across straight lines 
who kindly buy when it's available, ship it to where it's intended, and are repaid. In your lives, did you ever think you'd see anything like this in the United States of America? I guess the answer is more abortions. That way we need less formula, right, Mr. Producer? So big baby formula is added now. This is just disgusting. It is disgusting. I put it as in simplest terms that I know. And that is, when you kill the golden goose, the golden goose can't lay the gold eggs anymore. And that's what they're doing across the board. And when you attack the American commerce system, and you attack our financial system, and you attack our fossil fuel system, you're attacking little babies who need formula, people who need energy, and on and on and on. Meanwhile, the Democrats are viciously and violently fighting their culture wars, trying to turn the United States into one massive abortion mill. And they're being egged on by Biden, the Democrat Party, Pelosi, and the media. We'll break these down one at a time. Or we're having problems now with meat, wheat, corn. I read 20% less is being planted, which means at least 20% less will be harvested. Major companies are not prepared to spend the massive amount of resources, capital necessary to drill for more wells when the government's telling them, number one, not to despite the leases, and number two, telling them that they're going to put them out of business. So now we have electricity shortages, concerns about electricity shortages, and the response of the Biden administration is in the Department of Justice to create a new office of environmental justice. Environmental justice. Back in uh, 2009, I wrote the following about envirostatism in liberty and tyranny. The effects of the envirostatus agenda continue apace. This is 13 years ago. American society is now threatened by dangerous obstructions to the supply of electricity. Forbes magazine's Mark P. Mills reports that the same policies that led to the supply dislocations and price instability in oil and gas are at work in the provision of electricity. By as early as 2009, our demand for electricity will exceed reliable supply in New England, Texas, and the West, and by 2011, in New York and the Mid-Atlantic region. A failure of a power plant or a summer afternoon surge in the load could make for blackout or brownouts. The reason is most electricity is generated by coal. Anti-coal activists bragged that 59 coal-fired plants were canceled in 2007. Nearly 50 more in 29 states are being contested. Nuclear power plants produce 20% of U.S. electricity, but there hasn't been a new nuclear plant started in 30 years, and licenses are expiring on existing nukes. Opponents are fighting renewal of those licenses. And the future does not look bright. President Obama's Secretary of Energy 
as I wrote. Dr. Stephen Chu, a 1997 Nobel laureate in physics, is a global warming advocate, openly hostile to the use of coal and foot dragging on expanding nuclear power. I predicted there would soon be brownouts and blackouts because you don't need to be Nostradamus. You really don't. You don't need to be Nostradamus. Now, the Wall Street Journal reports, catching up a little bit yesterday, they are, not me, electricity shortage warnings grow across the U.S. Power grid operators caution that electricity supplies aren't keeping up with demand and transition to cleaner forms of energy. From California to Texas to Indiana, electric grid operators are warning that power generating capacity is struggling to keep up with demand. A gap that could lead to rolling blackouts during heat waves or other peak periods as soon as this year. Predicted by me 13 years ago. And by the way, can you imagine if every car, every car had to be charged on electricity? Every vehicle had to be charged on electricity. Can you imagine? California's grid operator said that it anticipates a shortfall in supplies this summer, especially if extreme heat, wildfires, or delays in bringing new power sources online exasperate the constraints. So everything has to work absolutely perfectly this year, this summer, for there not to be issues in California. But it doesn't work that way. Life doesn't work that way. Nothing works that way. The Mid-Continent Independent System Operator, or MISO, which oversees a large regional grid spanning much of the Midwest, said late last month that capacity shortages may force it to take emergency measures to meet summer demand and flag the risk of outages. In Texas, where a number of power plants lately went offline for maintenance, the grid operator warned of tight conditions during a heat wave expected to last into the next week. And of course... The very people who've destroyed our energy grid and our energy system are going to say it's global warming and we need to have more of a transition. The risk of electricity shortages is rising throughout the U.S. As traditional power plants are being retired more quickly than they can be replaced by renewable energy and battery storage. Power grids are filling the strain as the U.S. makes a historic transition from conventional power plants fueled by coal and natural gas to cleaner forms of energy such as wind and solar power. And aging nuclear plants are slated for retirement in many parts of the country. But we're not pushing nuclear power, which is one of the wisest things we could do. The challenge is that wind and solar farms, which are among the cheapest forms of power generation, don't produce electricity at all times and need large batteries to store their output for latter use. While a large amount of battery storage is under development, regional grid operators have lately warned that the pace may not be fast enough to offset the closures of traditional power plants that work around the clock. The risk of outages from supply constraints comes amid other challenges straining the reliability of the grid. Large, sustained outages have occurred with greater frequency over the past two decades, in part because the grid has become more vulnerable to failure with age and uptick in severe weather events exasperated by climate change. Told you. Now, when I wrote Liberty and Tyranny 13 years ago, they didn't call it climate change. They called it global warming. Now, of course, there's climate change. 
This has nothing to do with climate change. A push to electricity, home heating, and cooking, and the expected growth of electric vehicles may increase power demand in coming years, putting further pressure on the system. Duh. You don't say? California regulators on Friday said as much as 3,800 megawatts of new supplies may face delays through 2025. You know, California used to be the wealthiest state. Everybody wanted to move to California. Everybody thought that this was the land of opportunity, and it was when it was run by Republicans. Now it's losing population, and the increase in population is mostly from immigrants, including illegal immigrants. Over 40% of the population of California is first-generation or newer immigrants. And so even the population numbers are not really telling the full story there. We need to make sure that we have sufficient new resources in place and operational before we let some of these retirements go, said Mark Rethletter, chief operating officer of the California Independent System Operator, which operates the state's power grip. Otherwise, we're putting ourselves potentially at risk of having insufficient capacity. Doesn't matter. We're dealing with ideologues. Newsom. You just notice where much of these, where, uh, these problems are occurring. It's like nursing homes. Just do it, whatever. Now, Texas is now debating what would be a major philosophical shift for its power market, paying power generators ahead of time for resources that might be needed instead of just compensating them for actual power sold. That approach would largely benefit incumbent generators, including NRG Energy and Vistra Corp, which own numerous conventional power plants. The idea has prompted pushback from some battery and renewable energy companies. Now, here's another problem that they're not mentioning. The batteries that they want to use, in many cases, particularly in vehicles, material that's needed is mined in China. For lithium batteries. So all of this is being done. Not out of necessity. But out of ideology. And you are going to suffer. The greatest nation on the face of the earth. When at excess supplies of fuel. Excess supplies of electricity. And all forms of energy. Excess food where we had to sell it off. Where the government would buy it. where we were a meat exporter, where there were never any issues of supply chain issues. We're now backsliding. Because the war on capitalism, the war on commerce, the war on the private sector have been successful wars. People can try and explain this stuff away. But if you don't have a government that encourages a nation to expand and build and produce. But a government instead that has radicals at the EPA, at the Interior Department, at the Energy Department, at the, in every other department, whom have as their goal compelling the private sector to bend to their demands, this is what you get. Economic dislocation. From meat to wheat to corn to baby formula, to energy, including electricity. Electricity isn't the be-all and end-all because you need other sources of energy to create electricity. 
and they are destroying them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there are intended and unintended consequences when you meddle in the market system. And um, this is why these regimes with the tightest fist on the economies create the most poverty and starvation and dislocation. You listen to a guy like Bernie Sanders or a person like Nancy Pelosi, they don't have the foggiest idea how the economy works. As I say over and over again, the laws of economics are not going anywhere any more than the laws of physics. They are what they are. And you either develop an economic system that is rational, or you develop one that's ideological. Capitalism is not a system created by government. It is a system that goes hand in hand with human liberty. It's a voluntary system. Nobody created it, except the people who participate in it. People have written about it, certainly, But there's not some mastermind like Karl Marx and Marxism and so forth and so on. It is what it is. It developed over over a period of time, from our earliest days to today. If you reject it, well, then you get what you get. Big baby formula. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. 
To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is the Ministry of Truth, the Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I think uh, Nancy Pelosi, of all the Democrat leaders, has been the most irresponsible, the most irresponsible of any. And she's absolutely inciting violence. And the sickening irony is that she's behind the January 6th committee with her Democrat and Republican stooges and staffers trying to to characterize President Trump and his supporters as violent. Pelosi is openly, openly promoting violence in my view, and she is openly promoting the undermining of the independence of the United States Supreme Court, just as the Democrat leader in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, threatened Kavanaugh and Gorsuch in no uncertain terms. In no uncertain terms. And so I am calling for the Republicans, when and if they take control of the House, to open an investigation into this entire matter, to set up their own committee with no Democrats, just Republicans, to investigate Nancy Pelosi because there's a common thread in January 6th and what took place this weekend at these violent abortion protests. Nancy Pelosi. What did Nancy Pelosi do? What did she know on January 6th? Why would she turn down 10,000 to 20,000 National Guardsmen, as has been stated on the record, including on my own TV shows. Why would she call federal law enforcement stormtroopers? Why would she put her base's hate for the cops and their desire to defund the police ahead of the security of the Capitol building? Furthermore, now... Pelosi is, as I said, encouraging violence, urging violence, undermining the independence of the court. She claims to speak for all women. She does not. She claims that abortion as a right is being eliminated. Unfortunately, it is not. They're claiming that. What now for interracial marriage? The New York Times promoted this. I sure as hell hope you saw my special on Sunday on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. I know many of you were busy, and rightly so, on Mother's Day. But I hope you DVR'd the program. So thoroughly and crucially important. But here she is on MSNBC with reprobate Nicole Wallace. Cut to go. This is, a, I think, a right now crisis for a lot of women in this country. What do we do for them right now? Yes, I think we have. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we have to be uh, have a clarity in what this draft decision means so that the final decision doesn't go that far. All right. She- so she's flat out stating that the leak of the draft is an opportunity to put enough pressure and enough threats, certainly on the five justices in the majority, and certainly Sam Alito, poor Sam Alito, that they will change the manner 
or the outcome of this decision. Now think about that. That is the destruction of the judicial process. I frankly am shocked that the American Bar Association, these various organizations of judges and so forth, haven't spoken out and condemned her. As radical and as left as they are. Go ahead. This is this is authentic, but it is not final. I don't mm-hmm. know if these were authentic. It says real, right. but not final. So, uh, again, the... Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. With it, you can yeah. accomplish almost anything. Without it, nothing. And women just have to weigh in. I don't yeah. think there's a good outcome here, but I think there's a better outcome than what we have seen in the first draft, which is radical. Very radical. The Supreme Court saying there's nothing in the federal constitution here. We, can't, we have to take a pass on this decision. Wow, how radical. How insane. But she's all over the place. She was on MSNBC, then she's on Deface the Nation on Sunday, on Mother's Day. Cut three, go. This is about uh, something so serious and so personal and so disrespectful of women. Here we are on Mother's Day. Why is it disrespectful of women? Here we are on Mother's Day? And you're talking about abortion? I mean, does she even understand what a nitwit she is? In order to be a mother, you don't have an abortion. But that said, that aside, look at all the, uh, all the yelping here, because the Supreme Court will not impose a view on the entirety of the country. Go ahead. A week where the court has slapped women in the face in terms of disrespect yeah. for their uh, judgment about the size and timing of their families. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. So about the size and timing of their families, the Supreme Court has slapped mothers in the face. First of all, there are no mothers without births or adoptions. That's number one. But there has to be a birth in the first instance. So how is the court slapping mothers in the face? Number two, the court didn't outlaw abortion. The court said the Supreme Court can't do anything because the federal constitution doesn't say anything. I keep pointing out this is a very limited decision. It's a very moderate decision. They're not passing any judgment on abortion whatsoever. I would say prior courts have. Prior courts have told us when life begins or may begin or the third trimester when Casey Court said it's viability. Okay, but the court didn't get into any of that. It said, look, we're not. We're not the decision makers on this. And there's not a woman in the country who wants an abortion who can't get one, legally. And for free. Why do we give all this money to Planned Parenthood? What does it do with all this money? Well, for the abortions. Go ahead. 
fact is, let's keep our eye on the ball. The ball is in the court. Uh, those justices, one of them at least said over and over again uh, that precedent, the precedence has been established again and again mm -hmm. on Roe v. Wade. And that the precedence has been established when the Supreme Court makes a decision and the lower courts, whether they're district courts or circuit courts, must comply. That's what they mean by precedence. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this thing about precedent is ridiculous. You stick to precedent if you can, but you abandon it if you must. I've talked about it. Dred Scott was precedent, bad precedent. It needed to be eliminated. It upheld slavery. Plessy versus Ferguson was precedent all the way up to Brown versus Board of Education. Does Nancy Pelosi believe in that precedent? Of Plessy versus Ferguson, then why is she throwing around the word precedent? The Korematsu decision, rounding up Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent. I'll remind you that was Franklin Roosevelt, the same Franklin Roosevelt I discussed, albeit briefly, on Sunday, yesterday, tamping down information about the Holocaust. But he's the greatest president ever, don't you know? Does Nancy Pelosi believe in Korematsu? And we can go on and on and on. Precedent is not in and of itself something to worship. They don't support precedent all the time, do they? So what's their position? Their position is, I'll argue whatever I have to argue. It's like democracy. They say most women support abortion, and the court ought to comply with it. They don't even understand what the court is not about democracy. The court is about its own job and separation of powers. Democracy, voting that is, is what occurs in the states. And for president and vice president of the United States. Go ahead. Decision is about being anti-precedent and anti-privacy. and has serious ramifications. How is it anti-privacy? Now, we've spent a lot of time on this, probably more than most, going into the history of these decisions. All the way back to 1961. Uh, we've spent a lot of time going into how they created this phrase privacy and that there is a lot of acts done in private that are illegal, that are heinous. That doesn't make them legal, doesn't make them right. But they concocted this whole theory in order to promote abortion. And that's why they're furious. It was... Essentially, an 11-year run, a 12-year run to get to the point of Roe versus Wade. But if we had reporters who knew what they were talking about, a deface the nation, and of course, Nicole Wallace is dumber than a tomato. Here's the thing. They would say to her, but you want to go beyond Roe versus Wade. And states, many, go way beyond Roe versus Wade. Abortion at the last second, prior to birth. So you're not really arguing for Roe v. Wade. You're arguing for abortion on demand under any and all circumstances. Isn't that correct on this Mother's Day? In other words, you've abandoned Roe v. Wade. You used it in Casey. Those are just sort of baselines for you. They would ask her about the science. What does the science say? What does the science say about abortion one second before birth? One minute before birth, one week before birth, and so forth and so on. You can work your way back. What, is it, what does the science say, Nancy? But they're never put 
to the test. Never. That's why they go on MSNBC for dunces like Nicole Wallace. That's why they go on Deface the Nation, because they'll get the support that they want. They're not going to get tough questions. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I want you to listen to this, the way these people speak. You heard Pelosi. She's all for it. And I view her as promoting violence. And the way she's wording these things. Lori Lightfoot, the Chicago mayor, promoting violence. Cut for a go. You called it a call to arms in making this announcement. Explain that. Well, I think everybody who saw uh, that draft opinion has gone through uh, a range of different emotions. Um, but we can't just be angry. Uh, we've got to be intentional. Uh, we've got to be dedicated. And that's why I'm calling upon uh, fellow elected officials across the country, and particularly uh, my fellow mayors, to join me in making the pledge that we made today, which is a justice for all pledge. And fundamentally, it reaffirms um, Chicago um, as a welcoming city, a city that doesn't. It's not a welcoming city, it's a murder capital. Um, people know this. And you're a fraud, nephonia, buffoon. Ayanna Presley on MSNBC Saturday. Just notice all the media slash news platforms that are giving these extremist radicals promoting their violence. Uh, airtime. Cut five. Go. We've been sounding the alarm for years and none of it was uh, hyperbole. It was, um, in fact, we were probably accused of, of being uh, hysterical women. But our fundamental right to abortion care is under attack, and this draft ruling shows that the stakes could not be higher. And so the Senate must act. You know, that's it. We have got to codify Roe v. Wade. We should abolish the filibuster. It is clear that this Supreme Court continues to obstruct the will of the people because a majority of Americans... It's not the uh, job of a court to carry out the will of the people, even if this were the will of a people. But I've said many times... The problem, ladies and gentlemen, is you talk about a choice and privacy right and all these other things. But banned from television are pictures, are videos of actual abortions. Have you ever seen one on television, Mr. Producer? Not once. Well, why is that? It's just a choice. It's not a human being. 
It's a woman's right. Do you think if that were shown a couple of times that the vast majority of the American people would be so passe about it as these people allege? And I don't think we are, but do you think so? No, I don't think so. I think people would be sickened to their core. Sickened to their core. Tiffany Cross, radical kook, bigot, in my view, on MSNBC Saturday 7, go. Uh, Amy, you just heard Michelle refer to uh, the anti-abortionists as terrorists, and she has a point because the quote-unquote people who call themselves pro-life, um, they achieve this through violence. Uh, when you look through the, the, I remember, I'm old enough to remember that in the 80s, um, anti-abortion protesters began bombing clinics, uh, threatening doctors. Um, so we'll be waiting for Tiffany Cross to speak out against the Molotov cocktail that was thrown into the pro-life organizations building this weekend doing significant damage we'll be waiting for tiffany cross to cover that and denounce it and denounce it do tiffany cross sonny huston kristen gillibrand ayanna presley nancy pelosi amy kobacher nicole wallace do any of them oppose Showing the American people a late-term abortion on television? Do they? Do they oppose showing the American people? You know, democracy, they say. Democracy. Shouldn't people know what they, what they support, what they're voting for? It's a woman's choice. You see, they've succeeded in dehumanizing these babies and then censoring the procedure dehumanizing the babies and censoring the procedure. So it's just, oh, fortune cookie. That's just women's right to choose. I spent the entire hour last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin exposing the New York Times and its correspondents who were pro-Hitler, pro-Stalin, pro-Castro, and its ancestry that was pro-Confederacy, secession, and slavery. An entire hour, Mr. Producer. An entire hour. Have you seen it commented on anywhere? No. Have you seen a response from the New York Times? Nothing. They're hoping it dies. All the media outlets, all of them, are hoping it dies. It's not on Mediaite, not on Media Matters. It's nowhere. It's as if it never happened. But it did, and I'm going to keep at it. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So the Democrat Party, ladies and gentlemen, and the media are at it again, and they are in force creating an incredibly dangerous, volatile situation. In 
incredibly dangerous, volatile situation. Now, I know they control the propaganda about January 6th and everything else, the summer of 2020. But they're always calling for confrontation. Always. And this is what causes a country to become increasingly violent. It's politics to become increasingly violent. We have never had an assault on the Supreme Court as we saw over the weekend and as is taking place right now. Never, ever in American history. Never, ever in American history. Sonia Hostin on The View is supposed to be a lawyer. She's a moron, and I believe she's, she's also promoting this hysteria, and she knows better. And all these people on TV and all these politicians are creating a combustible situation on the left, encouraging people to protest at the homes of Supreme Court justices to pressure them. That's exactly what Nancy Pelosi said. That's what Kristen Gillibrand said. That's what Ayanna Presley said. Tiffany Cross just called everybody who opposes her view a terrorist. And yet there she is. She has a platform. And here's this Sonny Hostin. Cut eight. Go. I was watching a lot of the protests that were happening outside of some of the justices' homes, and my understanding is that um, Justice Alito has had to go into hiding um, uh, because of this, um, you know, draft opinion that was leaked. And and while I think it is terrible that um, a justice would have to go into hiding, I think it is really clear to the justices now that, as Anna mentioned, 64 to 66 percent of Americans believe Believe that the Supreme Court should uphold Roe. What does that have to do with anything? If 64 to 60 percent, 66 percent of the Americans in the 1850s supported slavery or segregation, we have a system that's set up where the courts adjudicate. They don't sit there and see what 64, 66 percent of Americans want. Number one. Number two, that is a lie. What kind of abortion are we even talking about? The vast majority of Americans oppose partial birth abortion when it's explained to them. So the media censor it. You will not find on The View, and you will not find Sonny Hostin arguing, let's run a video of a partial birth abortion so everybody can know this isn't a baby, it's about the woman's body, and it's a choice. Why not, Sonny? Why not, Whoopi? Why not, Anna? Why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? Tiffany Cross, they drag in these reprobates, these radical leftists. And they want people to think, if you want an abortion, you can't get one. It's a lie. They want people to think this is going to affect affect gay marriage. It's not. They want people to say that this will affect interracial marriage. Do you... You do. You realize how crazy and hysterical this, and intentionally so. Intentionally so. And when you put in the minds of people, particularly disturbed people, or uninformed people, these arguments, you create a fiery environment. And these justices are in danger. Now, should we all go gather in front of the four 
Other justices, Roberts and the three Democrats, should we go do that if we don't like a decision they make? Should we do that? Can you imagine what the media would say? Oh, there they are, MAGA, the January 6th crowd's back, must be white supremacists. You can hear it. The virtual monopoly position of the media is astounding. Which is why I think the Sunday show I did on Fox was so crucial. Go ahead. And so that being said, um, maybe these protests and maybe this outcry gives Chief Justice Roberts some leverage for a more moderate mm-hmm. approach. Uh, because we saw. So they are telling the mob, keep it up. It's unfortunate Alito went into hiding, but keep it up because you have the opportunity now before there's a final decision to influence the decision. The mob can influence the decision with one of the justices in hiding. And why do you think Breyer retired? Because they demanded his retirement. They demanded it. Because he's too old, you know. We got to get a youngster in there. Somebody who's soft on child porn. Oh yeah, that's the ticket. Really shocking. And it's one media platform after another. Here is somebody named Lara Jarrett, CNN anchor on CNN Today. Cut nine, go. I think for a lot of people, the, a conversation about civility feels um, like it misses the mark mm. when constitutional rights that you believe that you had for over 50 years are about to be overturned. Wow. So civility feels like it misses the mark. What's the opposite of civility, Mr. Producer? That's right. It's violence. Now, all the goofball lawyers out there, we've talked about this before. I love the backbenchers all over the media. You're welcome. 18 U.S. Code, Section 1507, picketing or parading. Whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice. Or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty. Pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States. In or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer. Or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration. In or near any such building or residence shall be fined under this title and imprisoned not more than one year. Where is the Attorney General of the United States? So Sonny Hostin, Laura Jarrett, these are media personalities. Tiffany Cross, also elected members of Congress, Pelosi, Gillibrand Presley, are encouraging people to violate federal law. Now what is it about trespass and what is it about picketing and parades that only applies to Trump supporters why is that you know why and I know why I've told you one of the real reasons the Democrats in Congress and in the media and in academia support abortion at any point is population control. 
Terry Pickett, who's a fantastic journalist, dug into this. She heard me mention that. And she said, by the way, you're right. Here's what Bernie Sanders said at CNN Town Hall, September 2019. But it caused a great commotion. So then they went back to disguise, in part, their true intent. Cut 10, go. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? Well, Martha, the answer is yes. (laughs) And the answer has everything to do with the fact that women in the United States of America, by the way, have a right to control their own bodies and make reproductive decisions. You know who you don't hear applauding their babies? Because they have nobody representing them. Go ahead. And the Mexico City Agreement, which denies American aid to those organizations around the world that are uh, that allow women to have abortions or even get involved uh, in birth control, to me, is totally absurd. See, it's so, you, we, we need to export this. And it's absurd to Bernie Sanders if we don't. Go ahead. Especially in poor countries around the world uh, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies and where they can have the opportunity through birth control to control the number of kids they have, something I very, very strongly uh, support. Okay, so nobody's talking about birth control per se, so they have to throw these phrases out. So he views abortion as a manner of birth control. So Bernie Sanders does believe in population control. And so do many, many, many on the left. That's exactly what we're talking about. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite publications is the Epic Times. And uh, Hans Montke is one of their great investigative reporters. And um, he's one of the few who's actually gone through this tranche of emails that have been released, compelled to be released uh, by a judge at the request of Prosecutor Dorham, who's prosecuting Michael Sussman. Michael Sussman has worked for the firm Perkins Coie, which has been at the center of many of the controversies involving Russia collusion. Uh, running money through the firm, uh, and also uh, 2020 election irregularities, in my view. And uh, I wanted to invite him on the program. Hans, how are you, sir? 
I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Mark. All right, Hans. So on March 3rd, I went on the radio. I think it was a Thursday. And I'd been pulling together these public reports from these various news accounts about what had been taking place uh, in terms of these leaks. Um, I didn't make any of this stuff up. It just was what it was. And I concluded, having gone through all of this, that they were spying on Donald Trump and that they had gone to the FISA court uh, unsuccessfully and then successfully. I patched together what I could. um, And the piece was written up in Breitbart, Mark Levin to Congress investigate Obama silent coup versus Trump by Joe Pollack, a great writer, great friend. On March 3rd, radio host Mark Levin used this Thursday evening show to outline the known steps taken by Obama's administration in its last months to undermine Trump's presidential campaign and later his new administration. And he lays out the various public exhibits I used, one after another after another. I used 10. I could have used 25. Um, And you were looking over these emails the other day, I guess recently, maybe yesterday, that were just released. Tell us about that. Yeah, sure. They came out last night. Um, So these are notes uh, from DOJ officials, and they came out through the Sussman case. Uh, Ironically, they came out through Sussman's side because Sussman thinks he found something useful uh, for himself in those, but um, that's kind of double hearsay. I mean, we don't have to get into that. It's not very important. What's really important is that you, Mark Levin, you basically triggered a huge cascade of events with that show. What happened on March 4th, the day after, was that Trump tweeted out uh, his infamous tweet where it says that Obama wiretapped Trump Tower. Everyone remembers that. Well, two days later, on the Monday morning, the FBI had an emergency meeting with the DOJ, and that's what these these notes are about that came out yesterday. And those notes, if you kind of trace it back, um, show that the FBI was trying to figure out how did Trump know these things, and they're panicking. They're in a complete panic. I guess, you know, you just mentioned these were this was public reporting, but at the time they probably felt that Trump might have found out more. He might have found out what they were up to. So they're panicking. They're having having a big session on Monday morning, and as I said, if you trace it back, it goes straight back to your reporting. That that kind of triggered all this. So the FBI then, instead of kind of owning up or telling the DOJ officials, this was a high-level meeting. There was uh, Dana Bonte was there. He was the acting attorney general at the time. Andrew McCabe was there, direct, uh, deputy director of the FBI. So th- they they took this very very seriously. And as soon as uh, you know the meeting started, uh, McCabe says, according to these notes, that they're determined. The FBI is determined to find out what's behind Trump's tweets. <laughs> what's behind Trump's tweets is you. You, Mark Levin, <laughs> is behind it. <laughs> well, isn't that amazing? And, um, it, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. But what what really struck me is that in that meeting they doubled down. So instead of telling Dana Bonte, who I think is a is probably a decent guy, he was just acting attorney general at the time because Sessions had to recuse. Uh, well, they tell him, no, no, this is all really bad. So instead of sort of saying, well, you know, we're winding it up or there's nothing to it, or they really doubled down. They, um, they, you know, you remember at the time they knew it was all fake. They knew Steele had lied. They knew the Alpha Bank story was fake. They knew it was all fake. But instead, mm-hmm. they turned it around. They re-upped it all. They re-upped Steele. <laughs> One of the worst things in those new notes is they call Steele's reporting crown reporting because they wanted to make those DOJ folks think that this came officially from the U.K. government. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. All right, so I want you to listen to this. We're talking to the Hans Monkey, investigative reporter, Epic Times, really solid guy. 
I want you to listen to this montage that goes for two minutes, because after I did the report, and then I went on uh, after, after President Trump um, made his statement, uh, I was asked to go on Fox and Friends Sunday, which is kind of a famous, uh, or in some cases infamous, appearance with my buddy Pete Hagstead, and then the next night, Hannity, to lay it all out. And so the media were also doing the dirty work for the Obama administration, the Hillary campaign, the FBI, and so forth. Take a listen to this. Cut 11, go. White House officials say that the president's sources were various conservative outlets, most prominently perhaps radio host Mark Levin, who seemed to take three basic chunks of information and combine them into one conspiracy theory of what he calls a silent coup. And on the conservative Breitbart website, which Friday highlighted a conspiracy-loving radio talk show host, Mark Levin. Now the story asserted that Obama has been trying to undermine Trump at every turn. As you can see from the headline, it was inspired by a Thursday night radio segment by conservative talk show host Mark Levin. Apparently, uh, this idea came from right-wing radio host and unlicensed gynecologist Mark Levin, who ranted about these wiretaps on his radio show. That show was then written up by Breitbart as Mark Levin to Congress investigate Obama's silent coup versus Trump. What does the White House gain by the president of the United by Steve Bannon most likely handing the president of the United States a, a Breitbart, Breitbart article. article and 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 talking about what a rabid right wing talk show host uh, has been theorizing? Start with uh, firebrand conservative radio host Mark Levin uh, briefly for people who don't know who is he. He's uh, got quite a following, and he's not just a conservative figure, but often espousing relatively radical positions about the need to uh, reinvent the Constitution and the government and ways in which we think about society. The notion that Mark Levin is a news outlet, it's, it's not the New York Times, it's not the Washington Post, it's not the Wall Street Journal, it's not the L.A. Times, it's not a major news network. It's Mark Levin, a guy who, you know, I know what talk radio guys do, on left and right, mostly on right, they rile, rile people up with outrageous charges and nobody keeps count of them. Yes. But here's the President of the United States getting his information from these people. Evidence for suggesting President Obama has committed a crime seems pretty thin. The detailed speculation from a conspiracy-loving talk show host, like Mark Levin. Okay, I think we can now officially declare that Trump has a worse media diet than the son of Sam Killer. And he got all his news from a talking dog who told him to murder. All right, well, you get the sense, Hans. When we come back, we want to further explore this, these emails, with Hans Monkey of Epic Times, outstanding investigative reporter who last night went through these emails that were released by Michael Sussman, who's been indicted in this matter. We'll be right back. Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. 
or choose unlimited data and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. I need to make a correction. What Hans is talking about uh, are notes uh, that were released. Now, Hans, Hans Monkey, we're speaking to investigative reporter Epic Times. Were these just Sussman's notes or other people's notes as well, McCabe and so forth? So these were notes from uh, three different DOJ officials who were at that meeting on March uh, 6th uh, of 2017, where they were basically discussing how Trump knew these things. And we already talked about they, he knew them from you. Uh, so these three people took notes, and those notes were later shared with Sussman's defense team. And so Sussman now thinks he found something in those notes. It's just one line that he found that might help him. That's why he, he submitted those notes. But kind of ironically, they help us more than they help him, I think, in uncovering you know, the whole plot here. Now, they were wondering in part also, or am I wrong, how I or anybody knew about the FISA requests. Is that correct? Yes, they were. They were very much wondering about that. And they quibbled about something you had said at the time, which was that the initial FISA, which turned out to be true, by the way, that the initial FISA had been rejected, the July 2016 one. And so they were quibbling about that. Well, you know, it wasn't really rejected and so on. Uh, and then, of course, the October one that was granted. Um, so what happened shortly after, I think this, this part's really, really important. It didn't stop on March 6th with, with that meeting, which that was really just the start of it. Soon after that meeting, uh, Comey personally went to see the heads of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee at the time were Grassley and Feinstein, and he told them about the Car- Carter Page FISA. So, he, so rather than defend what they did, he kind of went on offense. He's like, yeah, no, we did do that, and everything's proper, and, you know, he needs to be messy, and, you know, all the usual stuff. So right. that was their tactic that they employed, yeah. Very, very interesting. Now, so they release this information because they think there's a line in there somewhere that's helpful. Do you know what line that is or what argument that is? Yeah, I do. It's, uh, remember, the, uh, Sussman is charged with lying to the FBI. Uh, when he went to the FBI, he said he, he didn't represent any clients. And uh, right. it later turned out he was actually representing the Clinton campaign as well as this tech guy called uh, Rodney Joff. So uh, one of the lines in one of the notes is uh, there's three separate um, sets of notes and one of the lines in one of the notes says that um he had clients so you know you could read something into that but that's double hearsay first of all because it's someone taking notes at a meeting that is six months after the event uh about someone else who says something about what he heard from someone else so it's probably triple hearsay um so yeah i guess they can cast some doubt on whether sussman said what he said then that might help them a little bit but remember sussman put that in writing, he wrote to the FBI's James Baker and said, I'm not representing any clients. He put that in writing. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be difficult to, to wiggle out of. And it looks like Dorm is actually, he's thrown a wide net out there. He's actually chasing more than just this, I think, don't you? Oh, for sure. He is definitely chasing um, at least all the people on the Hillary side, all those Hillary operatives. Uh, 
we don't know how high up. I would say Elias, Mark Elias, is probably the highest up that he's looking at right now. Um, he might not go higher than that, but he's certainly looking at not just Sussman, but Elias, those Fusion GPS people, Peter Fritsch and uh, Glenn Simpson, as well as uh, Igor Danchenko and Christopher Steele, those two on the dossier side. Then there's a bunch of tech operatives like this Rodney Joff guy and a couple of people who work mm-hmm. for him. So you've got, you got a whole bunch of people there. And the idea is to show that they conspired. And what would they conspire about? Well, they would conspire about pushing false information into the FBI. At, at the core, that's what it's really about. And I don't think Durham is quite there yet that he can, he can prove that they colluded and talked about these things and so on. But uh, one of the problems is proving that they all knew that the information is false. I mean, one of the arguments Sussman is still kind of making through his lawyers is that, oh, he, he, he was just an innocent guy who was just passing on information. He didn't know it was false. Mm-hmm. Well, I, what else amazes me about this is this really does lead to Hillary Clinton. He may not get the goods on her, but she had to be an invisible hand behind this. She had to know what's going on. And honestly, the White House had to know what's going on. What are your thoughts about that? Well, she certainly knew what was going on. I mean, we have that memo from July 2016 uh, that, that Brennan actually produced that says that uh, she had this plan to vilify Trump. And the outlines of that plan match exactly what happened in reality. So there was a plan. And, um, yeah, of course, she'll argue that, well, she didn't know that the plan involved, you know, fabricating stuff and giving it to the FBI or whatever. But she, she knew. Of course she knew. Um, in terms of Obama, well, guess who got that, um, the Brennan memo in July of 2016? Who was the first person to get it? Obama. Mm-hmm. So he knew that Hillary had a plan. So at a minimum, we can say that. But despite knowing this, they all just forged on with going after Trump when they should have gone after Hillary for concocting the plan in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to keep at this, I take it, right, Hans? Of course. Well, we look forward to it, and we cannot thank you enough. Keep up the hard work, and that is hard work. That's Hans Monkey, the investigative reporter, top investigative reporter, in my view, with the Epic Times. Thank you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. All right. God bless. Pretty fascinating, I thought. Pretty fascinating. Now you know why there was a hellstorm. After I went through what was basically the public record, nobody had put it together. I just pulled it together. And I said, wait a minute, there's this leak, this, this info. Where's all this coming from? I knew it had to be coming from the FBI. I was chief of staff to an attorney general. There's not another organization that would be privy to all these details. When you look at Watergate, it was the deputy FBI director who was doing all the leaking. It's not that uh, Woodward and Bernstein were so smart. They were being handed stuff from the deputy FBI director. And so uh, I figured it had to be coming out of there. But nonetheless, we pulled it together, we put it out, and you saw how completely disinterested the media were. Again, that's why I did the Sunday show that I did. The media are corrupt. In the top of the heap, the New York Times. Absolutely disgusting. Now something interesting has happened with Chuck Todd. The Daily Caller, MSNBC removes host Chuck Todd's Meet the Depressed Daily, quote-unquote, from cable lineup. This is Kay Smith. MSNBC and NBC are moving Chuck Todd's Meet the Press Daily to a streaming-only option for viewers and changing the name to Meet the Press Now. 
I guess he's going the way of uh, Chris Wallace. I don't know. But he'll still have a Sunday show, which has no ratings. Meet the Press, hosted by Chuck Todd, is moving from the 1 p.m. Eastern Time cable slot to 4 p.m. slot on the streaming service, according to The Hollywood Reporter. In other words, they're burying it. MSNBC is reportedly rebranding the 1 p.m. hour to MSNBC Reports. And correspondent and anchor Chris Jansing will lead the new show, The Outlet Continued. Wasn't he chasing like perverts for years, Mr. Reducer? Remember him? <coughs> huh? Oh, it's a female. Well, what was that other guy? Chris something or other. Chris Hansen, that's it. So Chris Jansen's a birthing person? The switch-up is set to take place, <coughs> excuse me, on May 26th, the Hill reported. And the network will also start producing a podcast called Meet the Press Now. Meet the Press Now. Can't wait. NBC News is the leader in streaming news, NBC News President Noah Oppenheim stated. Since our launch, we've been committed to delivering the best of NBC News Journal. Well, you failed, you jerk. Free to streaming audiences everywhere. Chuck was one of the first broadcast anchors to see the massive potential of streaming and bringing Meet the Press's daily franchise to NBC News Now reinforces the platform status as the destination for news on streaming. Uh, I don't think so, moron. So Chuck Todd is, at least in this respect, is uh, degraded. But don't worry, you MSNBC fans, we still have Joy Reid and... What's her name? Cross. Tiffany Cross. We still have a whole lineup, a conga line of morons. And so uh, don't be disappointed. They will be there for you each and every day. Each and every day. I, I don't even know why there is an MSNBC. You've got the New York Slimes, who's correspondent in Moscow, 1932, was an advocate of Stalin's. Their correspondent... In Berlin, through much of the Holocaust, was an advocate for the Nazis and Hitler. Their correspondent they sent to Cuba was an advocate for Fidel Castro. So they've been on the wrong side of genocide, really, almost all the time. And these cowards will not respond to my show. These cowards will not respond to my show. I'm studying now the New York, the excuse me, the Washington Post. So at some point I'll be doing a show on the Washington Post. To the Washington Post CEO, Fred Ryan, is destroying the Reagan Library. He's destroying it. He's turning it into the Gerald Ford Library. He's having Liz Cheney speak there. Dizzy Lizzy. What do you think of that, folks? Ben Sass. Chris Christie, his board is made up mostly of venture capitalists. So they're destroying the Reagan legacy, in my view. Fred Ryan, in my view. Paul Ryan, who's on that board. Uh, Peggy Noonan, who's gotten stranger by the minute. Destroying the Reagan library. Our old buddy Ted Olson, who's... Uh, Who's flipped? I don't know what's going on with him, but I don't really care anymore either. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin.
Stop paying for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile social initiatives. Stop paying for their thousands of retail stores across the country that you never go to. Stop paying for their added perks that you never use. Pure Talk doesn't charge you for any of that garbage. Instead, they give you excellent 5G coverage on the same 5G network as one of those big guys. For half the cost, the average family saving over $800 a year. Now, I made the switch, and it's the best decision you'll ever make. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or get great deals on a new phone, like a Samsung Galaxy 5G for less than $2 a month. Unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data, just $30 a month. Or choose unlimited data, and you'll still save a fortune. Go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast, L-E-V-I-N Podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. We're going to spend a little time on this guy, Mark Esper, who's getting uh, friendly interviews. As he goes on TV and uh, rewrites history. This is a guy who, who is every bit as unethical, in my view, as the leaker from the Supreme Court. Because a president cannot function when a defense secretary conducts himself this way. And you know he's taking notes. You know Milley is, too, during the time they're working for Trump. And you don't see any of this when it comes to the Democrats, Obama, and so forth. So gets a big push on, East, on uh, 60 Minutes, gets a big push on cable TV all over the place. Now, no brag, just fact. I sold 1.3 million copies of my book. I was never on 60 Minutes, Meet the Depressed, Deface the Nation, This Week, W-E-A-K. I was never on any of these stupid-ass shows. The View, I was never invited onto any of these shows, Ever. In fact, you'll recall, I wasn't on Twitter or Facebook. I resigned. I resigned. And yet here we are. People say, well, he has a radio show. Really? Do these hosts with radio shows sell even anything close to 1.3 million books? No. This is a different show. Each host is different. Each host has their strengths and weaknesses. Each show has their own kind of content. By the way, on WABC, Bernie, Mr. Producer, I didn't know he had prostate cancer. That's public, right? Bernard McGurk, I didn't know that, Bernie. God bless you, buddy. And we wish you all the best here. He's been a good, good friend over the years. And I wish him all the best. Matter of fact, he has... Um, Others have as well. But I wish him all the best. He's, he's actually hilarious, smart as hell, and a true blue winger. May I say that? I think I will. So next door, I want to dig into this guy, Esper, and how they write these books, patting themselves on the head. And they know the lib media. They know the lib media will push it. And this is their payday. Folks, I write books about philosophy. I write books about history economics. These are tough books. I don't go for cheap hits on people I used to work for. There's nothing in my books about anybody I used to work for. This is why Bill Barr, who I was formerly, I think, friends with, 
I see him popping up all over the place. He won't be on my shows. John Bolton, I think, completely, historically now, has disgraced himself. Sky Esper, same thing. Same thing. They're trying to create a caricature of Trump. And none of them resigned early enough. To, I mean, if, if Esper really thought what he thought, he was fired. In the case of Barr, Trump told him to resign. He resigned. Case of Bolton, he was only there a year. I guess John thought he was the president. But he's not. But to have Esper do this is really shocking. And you'll remember on the leak, as soon as it occurred at the Supreme Court, I indicated to you that they're going to turn this person, whomever it is, into an iconic figure. Into an iconic figure. And this person, if it's a law clerk, won't care that it lost its law degree. That is, is disbarred, I should say, from the practice of law because they'll be running around, you know, like John Dean or something to that effect. But Esper's on 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes wants to hear from Esper. 60 Minutes doesn't want to hear from anybody who's going to be putting Trump in a positive light. The media are just so damn corrupt. It's unbelievable. It's just like this abortion stuff and the leak and who the violent protesters are and aren't. One clown after another. It's really quite appalling. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read the secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492. 800-630-1492 or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492 or visit SwissAmerica.com. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, 
Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, it takes time for other platforms, other hosts to catch up where we are. I'm just making the point. Like we were on the uh, spying on the Trump administration. Like we were on the nursing homes. And in so many other regards, and like we are in the New York Times and its history. So don't be surprised in a day or a week or a month or a year, all of a sudden, somebody will start talking about the New York Times history as if they just figured it out. But now's the time for everybody to talk about it. It is a, a truly evil corporation. A truly evil corporation. And if you were not able to watch the Sunday show, I will at some point encourage Fox to rerun it. The New York Times has not responded to it, even though they hang on my every word, as do their surrogates at Media Matters and Mediaite. Media Matters and Mediaite haven't said a word about what was exposed on the Sunday show last night. In fact, I'm not aware of any so-called website operation or news operation that has pointed it out. How can that be, you must wonder? Was it Mother's Day? What was it? No, that has nothing to do with it. So the New York Times gives, gives support to Stalin as he's starving the Ukrainians to death. The New York Times literally gives support to Hitler through censorship and its pro-Nazi uh, uh, newsman in Berlin. Literally. The New York Times helps bring Fidel Castro to power. And there's nothing. Can you imagine? And meanwhile, they sit there in judgment of everybody else. Of everybody else. It's incredible. This is what it's like when you do not have a free press. Instead, Mark Esper, in his silly book, where he comes off as just fantastic, you know. He's just terrific. And of course, at Trump's expense. And so he's on 60 Minutes with Nora O'Donnell, who we read is skating on thin ice, and apparently doesn't get along with some of the staff in her building, I'm guessing. That's what they say. Let's take a little listen so I can respond. Cut 18, go. It's important to our country. It's important to the Republic, the American people, that they understand what was going on in this very consequential period. The last year of the Trump administration, and to tell the story about things we prevented, really bad things, dangerous things, that could have taken the country in a, in a dark direction. What kind of terrible things did you prevent? 
at various times uh, during the, certainly the last year of the administration. You have folks in the White House who are proposing to take military action against Venezuela. Uh, All right, to, stop. To... That's not crazy. You may not agree with it. But that, that's not nutty. And you have different proposals coming to a president all the time, depending on the circumstances. Go ahead. Iran. He says point- to strike Iran. Well, Israel wanted to strike Iran. I suppose President Trump was thinking about it, too. I mean, after all, they keep threatening to have nuclear weapons and hit us. Does this sound crazy to you, Mr. Producer? Mr. Producer? Go ahead. Somebody proposed we blockade Cuba. Somebody proposed we blockade Cuba. Was it Trump? No. Somebody proposed we blockade Cuba. Somebody proposed we take military action against Venezuela. Somebody proposed that we strike Iran. Excuse me. The hell is this? Somebody proposed that we eat fish on Friday. Somebody proposed that we work on Sunday. Can you believe that? Somebody. What? Go ahead. What happened? Uh, it seemed every every few weeks something like this would come up, and we'd have to swat them down. Who's we had to swat them down? Well, mostly me. Uh, I had good support from from General Mark Milley. Ah, uh, well, you swatted it down. Thank God, because without Esper, we would have been attacking all these countries. And thank God for Mark Milley, who back channels to the communist regime. Their military man undermines the commander in chief. Then O'Donnell steps in. Go ahead. Casper and chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, ran the Army for over a year before Mm. finding themselves in charge at the Pentagon Mm. in order to deal with what he calls some of the crazy ideas coming from the White House. Esper and Milley came up with a system. Wow. I come up with this idea. Actually, Mark Milley and I discuss it, what we call the four no's. The four things we had to prevent from happening between then and the election. And one was no strategic retreats. No unnecessary wars, no politicization of the military, and no misuse of the military. And so, wow, how fascinating! That's never been done before. So they're dealing with a commander in chief who is the least likely to do any of that. Who's the least likely to go to war? But they're prepared. The Secretary of Defense and the head of the Joint Chiefs, man, they have the four no's. I have a yes. You follow the orders of the commander-in-chief. Somebody proposed this. Somebody proposed that. What Nora O'Donnell should have said, well, who's somebody? So far, this sounds like baloney, the whole damn thing, doesn't it, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. The next five to six months, that became the metric by which we would measure things. Wow. Aren't you special? Now, in order to get a lot of money and know nothing like Esper, it's got the IQ of a kumquat. And Millie, who may have in the past been quite heroic. But in my view, when he went to the head of the communist military in China, behind the back of the commander-in-chief, what he did there was really outrageous. 
It should have been condemned by everybody. So far, there's nothing here. Nothing. Cut 19, go. Esper told us he had reason to be concerned, not just about an unnecessary military conflict with an adversary, but with one of our closest neighbors and largest trading partners. Don't you love the way they do this? Esper told us he had reason to be concerned about that. Oh, what did he say? Go ahead. The president pulls me aside on at least a couple occasions and suggests that maybe we have the U.S. military shoot missiles into Mexico. Shoot missiles into Mexico for what? He would say to, to go after the cartels. And All right, let's would... stop right there. I, I'm listening to this, and I'm just shocked. The Mexican cartels are responsible for the deaths of tens of thousands of American young people with their fentanyl. And Bill O'Reilly came on this program and broke some news that he proposed to President Trump that he tell the president of Mexico that unless you start helping us secure our border and preventing people from coming into this country illegally, and that includes MS-13, drug cartel, surrogates, you know, all the rest of it, uh, we're going to send our special forces in there and deal with it ourselves. And that's what got the president of Mexico to act. Now, notice Trump's never said that. He doesn't brag about it. Other people mention it. So the drug cartels, they're armed with military equipment. Shoot missiles at the drug cartels. I don't know how far outside that box in the box that really is. That doesn't get me all worked up either. Depending on the circumstances, and of course, Hesper doesn't tell us the circumstances. That it wasn't done. And if Trump wanted it done, it would have been done, whether Esper likes it or not. Go ahead. Private discussion where I'd say, Mr. President, I, you know, I, I understand the motive because he was very serious about dealing with drugs in America. I get that. We, we all understand. But I had to explain to him, we, we can't do that. It would violate international law. It would be terrible for our neighbors to the south. It would you know, impact us in so many ways. Why, why don't we do this instead? You politely push back on the idea. Did President Trump really say no one would know it was us? Yes. Yes, I, 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 he said that. And I, I just thought it was fanciful, right? Because, of course, it would be us. I was reluctant to tell this story because I think, I thought, people won't believe this. They no, what we I'm don't believe is what a, what a fraud you are for doing this. I mean, Seriously. Seriously. It's just, it's just shocking to me. These guys will keep their mouth shut when we have individuals in the Oval Office whose actions result in horrific consequences, like the surrender in Afghanistan, like Obama opening channels of diplomacy with Castro, or selling out the Demedebedebedev or trashing the Israelis at the UN and undermining them with the Syrians and the Iranians. I mean, these are real actions that were taken. Real actions that were taken. That resulted in deaths and have changed our national security situation to the negative. People aren't writing books about it. They're not going to write books about it. 
And yet here's Esper. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said we could shoot missiles at the cartels and, and nobody would know it was us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cut 20. Go. At a meeting the next morning, Esper told us the commander-in-chief was on the verge of ordering 10,000 active-duty troops into the streets of the capital. What was the most disturbing thing that the president said during that meeting on June 1st? The president is ranting at, at the room. Uh, he's using a lot of, you know, uh, foul language. You know, you, oh, you, they you never all... use foul language at the Pentagon. Do generals use foul language? Do admirals use foul language? I seem to recall Patton did. And this guy's no Patton, neither is Milley, that's for sure. So remember the situation. The White House is under siege. There's an insurrection taking place. Buildings are being burned around Lafayette Park across from the White House, including the St. John's Church, which is a historic location. And by the way, other places too. A kosher restaurant had its windows broken. The Reagan uh, Institute had its windows broken there. There, I mean, I go on and on. The townhouses around there, over 50 Secret Service personnel were injured. They had to take the president to the bunker, the nuclear bunker under the White House. But hey, hey, what's the big deal? Now, other presidents have used the Insurrection Act. Other presidents have used the Insurrection Act for a hell of a lot less than that. Without presidents being taken to the bunker under the White House. And lots of presidents use foul language. John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Joe Biden. In fact, a lot of those guys around the White House couldn't keep their pants on. But look how they, they focus on Trump. Go ahead. Losers, right? And then he says it to the vice president, Mike Pence. He's using the same language and he's looking at Pence. He called Mike Pence an effing loser? He didn't, he didn't call him directly, but he was looking at him when he was saying it. And it really caught my attention. And I thought that we're at a different spot now. He's going to finally give a direct order to deploy uh, paratroopers into the streets of Washington, D.C. And I'm thinking with weapons and bayonets. No, what you should have said, Mr. President, here's what I recommend. You can trigger the Insurrection Act. And these are the kinds of personnel who I think we should send into Lafayette Park to disperse the crowd so the White House isn't threatened anymore, so that Secret Service personnel aren't harmed anymore. What is the problem? Go ahead. What specifically was he suggesting that the U.S. military should do to these <clears throat> protesters? He says, can't you just shoot them? Just shoot them in the legs or something. And he's suggesting that that's what we should do, that we should bring in the troops and shoot the protesters. The commander-in-chief... doesn't sound like what he did. That doesn't sound like what he wanted at all. I just wonder how much corroboration there is for this. And again, if Esper's a responsible public servant, he says, look, we can't shoot them in the legs or so forth, but we can bring in sufficient personnel to quiet the situation... You would have to trigger the Insurrection Act, which involves a lot of signatures from other cabinet secretaries and so forth. And, uh, and, and we could take actions, not deadly actions, but actions, to get the situation under control. Could have done the same thing with the Capitol building. Esper, or others who were on the scene actually, the, uh, the following temporary Secretary of Defense, same thing. 
Now, folks, in California, when there were riots, and Ronald Reagan was governor, and the local police were being overwhelmed on college campuses, I've played this for you, and the state troopers were being overwhelmed. Reagan sent in the National Guard to take control of the campus. And they said, what kind of power should we use? What force should we use? He said, whatever you need to. Get control of the college campus. I believe one student was killed. They used tear gas, they used rubber bullets, and in a few cases they used actual bullets. I'm only telling you this because, again, they're trying to create a scenario where Donald Trump looks like he's crazy. He's not crazy. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You see how this guy twists and turns these events? It's just incredible. Let's continue where we left off. Nora O'Donnell interviewing this guy, Esper. Go ahead. The commander-in-chief was suggesting that the U.S. military shoot protesters. Yes, in the straits American of our protesters. nation's capital. That's right. Shocking. We have seen in other countries a government use their military to shoot protesters. Right. What kind of governments are those? Well, those are banana republics, right? What or kind of an interview is this? What kind of a stupid book is this? Trump never did trigger the Insurrection Act, and he didn't need the permission of the Secretary of Defense or the head of the Joint Chiefs. Trump never did send in military personnel to use live bullets against anybody in any city, despite the fact that they were burning, and presidents have used the Insurrection Act and live bullets in situations less less dramatic and problematic than this. So what the hell is the whole point of this? We know what it is. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, the champion of liberty and true conservatism. Call Mark now, 877-381-3811. At the site American Liberty, General Motors demands ESG pledge from suppliers. What's that, Mark? General Motors isn't trying to hide that it's asking for suppliers to join an environmental and ESG pledge. That is the social crediting environmental social and governance partnership pledge instead the auto giant issued a press release casting its efforts as nothing short of heroic called the environmental social and governance partner partnership pledge or esg and uh, charlie gasparino was on this program a few weeks back and explained it the company claims suppliers representing over half of the 76 billion dollar direct material annual purchase values it made in 2021 have signed on to the agenda. This is a radical left agenda. Now, the last sentence is worded awkwardly because that's how GM put it in the press release. The kind of verbal dancing was most carefully crafted to get you to focus on the over half part about the suppliers. The real story is, is in what it doesn't say. What percentage of its total suppliers have signed this ESG pledge? If it was an impressive figure, Jim would be trotting that out with pride. 
The fact is ESG is quickly gaining a bad reputation with those who have done some real research about what it actually entails and how it relates to the Great Reset. Great Reset, meaning Marxism, as far as I'm concerned, instead of just reading some slick press releases or praise-filled articles on the topic. There are economic and social imperatives in lowering emissions and addressing climate change while cultivating a just transition, said Jeff Morrison, GM, Vice President of Global Purchasing and Supply Chain, as we accelerate toward our vision of an all-electric future. Now, we have shortages coming in electricity. We all see this. We all know it. So what is this all-electric future crap? Our commitment to bringing everybody along includes our global suppliers whose collaboration is critical to promoting a sustainable, safe, and better world. GM detailed three things that wants suppliers to agree to. One, achieving carbon neutrality for their scope one and scope two emissions by dates based on the respective industry. 2025 or earlier for professional services. 2035 or earlier for manufacturing and 2038 or earlier for raw materials and logistics. Next, by 2025, achieving a minimum score of 50 in the Ecovatus labor and human rights and ethics pillars, which demonstrates a mature sustainability management system that covers employee health and safety. Listen to this. Social dialogue. Diversity, non-discrimination, child and forced labor, and avoids corruption and anti-competitive practices. And then third, by 2025, achieving a minimum score of 50 in the Eco-Vadis Sustainable Procurement Pillar, what the hell, which covers how GM suppliers understand and govern the social and environmental practices of their own suppliers and use their purchasing influence to advance sustainability. You know, we've talked about this before. This new or newer crop of corporatists come out of the same schools, the same indoctrination and brainwashing mills as the phony journalists and the Democrats and some of the phony Republicans. They're not defending their industry. They're not defending the shareholders. They're not defending capitalism. And it's not just the car industry. It's the broadcast industry. It's every industry. It's pathetic. To help bring about this new world order, scratch that, improved environmental conditions, GM has tapped EcoVadis, a third-party assessor, there you go, which specializes in this. They evaluate just how well different companies are being good and obedient when it comes to putting into practice the preferred practices when it comes to sustainability, corporate responsibility, and social cohesion. Sure, all the language sounds pretty harmless on the surface, but if one thing has become, in the recent past, some people it's clear, some people use claims of trying to save everyone to coerce them into doing things they might feel squeamish about. General Motors. Gee whiz. We've owned Chevys all our life, you know? Have to listen to this claptrap. It's a little frightening, I would say. All right, let's take some calls here. Robert Newell, excuse me, Robert in Newell, West Virginia, XM Satellite. Are you there, sir, still? Uh, yes, sir, uh, Mark. Uh, hey, I appreciate you talking to me tonight. But before I talk, before I call yeah. out Biden and Pelosi for putting on 
false appearances of uh, what I call virtue. I watched your show last night, 8 o'clock on the Washington Times. That was a great show. And uh, I knew a little bit about Henry Ford, Henry Ford doing his on the New York there, Times. But I never knew anything about right. the Washington Times. New York, New, New York. York. Yes, sir. But, uh, Isn't yes, it amazing sir. after all these decades, almost a century now when it comes to Ukraine and close to that when it comes to the Third Reich and, of course, half a century ago with Castro. Isn't it amazing how quiet all of this has been? Right. right. And, and lucky my grandmother's not alive. Right. Lucky my grandmother's not alive right now because she was from Ukraine, came over here in 1912. Mm-hmm. So uh, she probably have some words. But uh, anyhow, Mark, um, I'm a Roman Catholic. I'm a, uh, yeah, I'm a Roman Catholic. Yeah, thanks. And so is Biden and Pelosi, so they say. Um, mm-hmm. Catholics are supposed to believe in the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. However, what I see by their actions, neither of these devout Roman Catholics appear to believe in this dogma, since uh, all they've been doing since Alito's opinion was leaked by that rat is to sound general quarters for advocates to get out there and vote for pro-choice candidates in midterms. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they have encouraged they have encouraged these protests, like you said, at the homes of the justices. All these all these two are cafeteria Catholics. Both like to choose and pick what aspect of Catholicism to believe in, but only mm-hmm. when it serves, uh, I guess, their needs. And, Mark, I'm telling you, they're politicians who are selling their souls for power, and I wouldn't recommend that to anyone of any religion. First of all, you make an excellent point. They used to say it's a private decision, but they're pushing the agenda, Pelosi, Biden, and, of course, they're not alone, but they're pushing the most radical abortion agenda perhaps on the planet. And so when they say it's, it, you know, I'll leave it. It's a personal decision. I have a different view. No, no, you're pushing their agenda. I think that's a very, very important point that you make. Thank you, Robert. Take care of yourself, brother. Let's go to Anthony. Anyone else there? XM satellite, Duncan, Springfield, Missouri, the show me state. Go right ahead, please. Uh, hi, Mark. It's an honor to talk to you. First time caller. My Thank question you. is uh, relevant uh, relevant to the uh, Constitution, where it's a God given right to all Americans the, the the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. How does the Supreme Court understand the Constitution? Is life start with the first breath or with the heartbeat well that's in the declaration but i would argue that the declaration is recognized in the ninth amendment uh but i would take the argument what about the equal protection clause it seems to me every left-wing cultural agenda is pushed into the equal protection clause well if that guy can do this i should be able to do this and if that guy can do that i should be able to do this and so forth What about the Equal Protection Clause for unborn babies? And, of course, you hit the nail on the head. When does life begin? We know that life begins before the baby is born. We know it's a life before it's born. We know that for a fact. That's what the science tells us. That's what technology tells us. That's what sonograms show us. And so, of course, your point is a very, very good point, and it's never raised. These reporters, to a person, they never defend the baby. They never bring up the absolute contradiction of the left, of the pro-abort types. And they won't. And even when it comes to the Constitution and the law, 
All the Supreme Court said is, hey, we have no role in this. States do as you wish. Now, if you're opposed to abortion and you're pro-life, that's not a that's not a great decision. That's a decision that's one step, but it's not a great decision outlawing abortion as protecting a baby at any time during the uh, uh, gestation period. At any time. They haven't even issued an opinion saying, hey, look, if it's viable right there a minute before birth, they have equal protection to life. They haven't even said that. They said it's up to the states. And yet, that's not good enough. The fact that any woman who wants an abortion can get an abortion paid for by the taxpayer, it's inconvenient. It's not good enough. Amy Klobuchar says we can't have a patchwork. We have a patchwork of all kinds. What about the death penalty? Some states have it. Some states don't. What about sentences? Some people get life sentences. Some people get 15-year sentences, depending on the state and so forth. So that's obviously uh, ridiculous. All right, my friend, Duncan, we appreciate your call. Any, anybody else I should speak to, Mr. Producer? Yeah. The great WMAL, Bruce and Fed Frederick, Maryland. If you can get the sense by now, ladies and gentlemen, my computer's frozen. I can't pull up the call screen. Bruce, go right ahead. Uh, Mark, as a 32-year veteran, I just want to thank you for the hard things you've worked all these years. You're, you're a great, great patriot. Um, we are so privileged to have somebody like you for our time. Oh, my gosh. And I just wanted to throw at you uh, for your comment. I think Mark Esper and the others, for some reason, the Russian hoax doesn't seem to be, seem to be working too well anymore. So now mm-hmm. let's try the throw missiles into Mexico, shoot people in the streets routine. You know, that's a great point. I mean... When you listen to what he said, the idea that Trump demanded it, directed it, took any steps to do it, is so ridiculous. I mean, he didn't do it. He didn't, he didn't trigger the Insurrection Act. You know who did? George H.W. Bush. When, uh, when Los Angeles blew up. Yep. As have other presidents with, with far less circumstances than even that. And everybody knows this. Well, Mark, I, in my opinion, living close to D.C., it was warfare at Lafayette Square. They mm-hmm. were they were more, more than cautious. They were attacking doing... the White House, no? They were attacking right. the White House. Yes. And, and there are reputable sources who say there were Mandarin commands being given at the fence. Well, I don't know about that, but I appreciate you calling. <laughs> Oops, we slid. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Lurch and uh, and the corrections officer have been caught, and um, there was a, a car chase, and there was an accident. Lurch is okay. The woman, his, uh, the corrections officer, when they were, when they're basically caught, she shot herself. We don't know what condition she's in. So that story soon will be over. And by the way, I finally figured out what Joe Biden has done for women, Mr. Producer. 
The Taliban have announced that women are not to leave their homes unless absolutely necessary. Better that they not leave the home because they have no reason to leave home. Given their responsibilities are only in the home. And if they are to leave the home, they are to be covered from top of the head to the bottom of their heels, except for eye slots. Remember, they promised, they promised they would be different. And so our surrender in Afghanistan has resulted in the enslavement of millions and millions of women, birthing people, if you will, and their children. So that is what the Biden administration has achieved. And of course, they support abortion in the extreme. You know, this peaceful protest stuff, if somebody is at your home, and if the people encouraging them go there are supported by millionaires and billionaires hiding behind the dark money wall and are encouraged to do so by Pelosi and the others, you can see that this is all contrived. You can see that there's real collusion going on here, that the individual who leaked this will be marched down the street in a a ticker tape parade. You can see it all. The institution's crumbling, but look, as long as we get what we want. And what do they want exactly? What do they want exactly? And by the way, it wasn't a sarcastic or, 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 or just thoughtless comment when I said, Joe Biden has done for women, look at Afghanistan. The order came down today, or back there, I guess, yesterday, that all women are to be covered from head to toe except for eye slots. That's it. And they shouldn't be out of the home anyway unless they have a good reason to be. So all these women who had embraced Western standards, and keep in mind the Taliban represents about 12, tops 14% of the population. All these women now are enslaved You haven't heard a single woman on TV, on The View, on CNN, on MSNBC, in Congress say a damn thing about any of this. Instead, they pretend that the women in the United States are enslaved. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our wonderful truckers, and of course, our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. See you tomorrow.